I just got off a Zoom call, actually a Zoom call that the rest of my team is still on because we work remotely, not all of us, but we have team members in Bend, Oregon, Chicago, and New York City, and we work from home on Fridays. So Zoom has been an incredible tool for us to collaborate wherever we are here at Girl Boss and Zoom is how business gets done. Zoom ties together all of your communication needs into one easy app for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars. Zoom is the way to collaborate with flawless video and audio, instant wireless content sharing, screen sharing, and it's just a single tap of a button to start a meeting, whether you're connecting over audio, over the internet. Zoom works seamlessly from any device as your business phone system to make and receive phone calls, capture call recordings, and easily elevate from phone call to video on the fly as the need arises. Zoom is used by millions to connect around the world, so why wait any longer? Visit Zoom online and set up your free account today and meet happy with Zoom. Hi. It's Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss, and this is Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. You know, a lot of people sometimes think that Girlboss is headquartered in New York, and it's true. We have a small but mighty team in the city focused on sales, but our main office is actually in Los Angeles. Specifically, it's in the little neighborhood of Silver Lake, which people call the Brooklyn of Los Angeles. Lots of good coffee, lots of good food. There's a lot of things that I, oh yeah, a lot of facial hair. For this week's episode, you're going to hear from a woman behind one of the beautiful stores that lines Sunset Boulevard in our neighborhood and makes our neighborhood a true gem. Her name is Claire Vivier, and she's the founder of Claire V. Claire V is a line of handbags and accessories known for having a minimalistic design with beautiful color blocking and luxe materials like beautiful soft leather. And they're all made in Los Angeles. And I guess you could say that the designs have a bit of Parisian chic aesthetic, which makes sense given how Claire got her start. It was while working as a journalist for French TV that Claire realized there was a lack of functional yet stylish laptop cases. So she decided to create her own line of handbags and accessories. And it worked. Fast forward 10 years, and Claire V is stocked in retails ranging from Net-A-Porter to Nordstrom, has many Claire V stores, including her flagship store here in Silver Lake. But she didn't get there overnight. In fact, getting her designs in stores involved pounding the pavement and learning some hard lessons about what kind of designs customers are willing to pay for. Here's how she described one of those memorable moments. He was like, what do you think the price is going to be? And I said, $600. And he said, $600. I mean, he said, that's really expensive. And I said, well, yeah, and that's what I need to charge. And he said, well, if you look around my store, you'll see a lot of other well-known brands and they're priced below $600. So why would anyone buy your bag for $600? Nobody knows who you are. Stay tuned for my conversation with Claire. We talk about how she went about finding the right manufacturers, how she lands on the right design and price for her collection. Plus, she shares her advice for all small business owners on what to consider before you lease a storefront. You don't want to miss this. Here's our conversation. Claire, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. This is our, I mean, we've hung out a bunch, but we did an interview here at the Girl Boss offices. Yeah, thanks our, for having me. Our first community meetup. It was in our little backyard. Yeah, so cute. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the things that we talked about there, but only a very limited of women had the privilege to hear and more about your career in this conversation. But I always start at the same place in every episode, and it is... What was your first job? My first job was delivering balloons for a balloon store in my town of St. Paul, Minnesota. Did you blow them up? Yeah. It was called the Balloon Bunch on Grand. And then I did have to do some balloon delivery dressed as a gorilla. But soon after that, I worked at a frozen yogurt place. 
Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I enjoyed having my own money. That was just kind of a given that, you know, I was 14 and I needed to have a job. Was there anything you learned from those jobs that you've taken into what you've built today? No. I Well, I think the work ethic of just having a job and having money and um, the value of being independent, um, that, but then so many other jobs leading up to like even I waitressed for so many years and um, that I feel like I t- was very beneficial to now op- owning my own company and I think for me it's the hustle of waitressing and um, the multitasking and keeping so many things in your mind at the same time. So you waitressed from I mean I want to fast forward so you were waitressing from what year to okay present day We've launched Clearview. You had a career in broadcasting. Television, yeah. Yeah, take me through the kind of chronology. Oh my gosh, it's so much. And I won't get all the years right or anything, but um, so in high school I had those jobs like the frozen yogurt place. I went to college and I worked through college and I worked at cafes and restaurants and that's when I started waiting tables in San Francisco and um, had a really wonderful experience working at a restaurant called Universal Cafe in San Francisco. And I think that was really a pivotal moment for me because it was such a lovely restaurant and it was designed so beautifully by great interior designers and beautiful furniture and the food was delicious and the wine was great and it was such a cultural awakening for me. And I was like, oh, this is cool. There's great things out there. Um, I dated uh, the French sous chef for a while and from that I decided I was going to move to France so that's why after college I moved to France on my own came back from France and waited tables again because I just needed money and uh, oh I waited tables in France (laughs) (laughs) surprise (laughs) at a restaurant where and when I did not speak French and so had to learn phonetically how to say can I take your order um how how do you say it well the it's very funny because I said bonjour Avez-vous commandé? And it means, have you ordered? Oh. But I would go up to each and every table and say, hello, have you ordered? <laughs> and they would look at me like I was crazy because there was nobody else in the restaurant maybe. And they'd be like, no, lady, I haven't ordered. I just got here and you're the only person. <laughs> but I never knew that I was speaking in the past tense until a long time after that. At least you can enciate correctly. I'm like, avez-vous comme... Comme on yeah, my friend <laughs> taught me phonetically. I mean, now I speak French fluently because it's been 20 years that I've been with my husband, but um, I don't want to go on too long about... Waitressing. Waitressing, and then came back and worked with my husband in French television. I wanted to be a writer, so I started writing um, articles for the San Francisco Bay Guardian and the NBC website in San Francisco, and I always wanted to write about fashion. I wanted to be in fashion in whatever way I could and for me because I had majored in English and thought I wanted to be a writer it was going to be that I was going to write about fashion after doing those freelance jobs and waiting tables at the same time I eventually started working with my husband who's a journalist for French television and we started producing stories together for France and uh, that's when I got the first idea for the bags when I was traveling a lot and I needed a cute bag for my laptop and made it myself and thought there was a real market for this cute work bags for women. So there's a lot of us, well, there is, and there is, but there's a lot of us who have an idea and think, wow, there's got to be a big market for this. My, if my idea is good, everybody's going to think my idea is good. But that's, that's not always the case. How did you test out Claire V from, okay, I created a laptop bag for myself all the way to, okay, this is like, I'm doing this. Well, I started making them for myself and then my friends. And I think I had a lot of confidence in my own style and taste that I, th- I thought they were cute. I thought other people would too. And I had a lot of confidence in my friends as well. And they carried them. So I think I just took for granted that if there was, if we liked them, other people were going to. And so I, I started with a website. I just made a very rudimentary website and started selling them there. And from there, what happened? From there, I started a blog because I needed some form of marketing. That was the question immediately. Like, why is someone going to buy these bags? Um, and to me, the only thing I had was my ability to tell my story because I didn't have funding for the company or anything. I just really 
started very, very grassroots out of my house with a, with a website. So I um, thought that I should start telling my story on my blog and writing about my life, photographing my outfits like we used to do and photographing my first bags and um, created a community with other bloggers here in Los Angeles. And I think that's really that was really the pivotal moment of realizing that it takes a village you can't do anything on your own and we all needed to help each other and it was so you said you didn't have funding in the beginning no how did you fund the business in the early days well I was fortunate in that I didn't have to work because my husband was paying the bills but there was no funding for the company so I everything I sold I put back into the company so I went and I bought scraps of leather I didn't it was very very scrappy at the beginning it was like I would go down to it It was very (laughs) literally scrappy I uh, went down and bought like few bits of leather some canvas and things and I made bags out of that and everything I sold I put back in and every time I sold I could buy a little bit more and um, it was just quite literally bootstrapped the entire thing and putting everything back into the company this was it's very hard to me for me to remember the chronology of it all, but I had started with this vision before I had my son. So I started all of this bag making stuff and <laughs> this whole business of it. Um, and my son was born in 2003. So when he was born, I I had started this business that I didn't know if it was a real business yet. And I, it was, um, I was overwhelmed as a new mom and just kind of, uh, bulldozed with the idea of becoming a mom and what that did to my life which I had hadn't I went through the nine months of pregnancy without ever really considering how this was going to change my life which I think might be common for women to for the first kid to not really realize like you know your life is about to change forever um I think we just think of it like cute and happy we're having a baby I think that's kind of that the unpredictability that you welcome into your life when you decide to have a kid or when you sign up for something that big you never know what's on the other side of it but that's why life is worth living yeah yeah and sometimes it sucks yeah (laughs) it's hard yeah it was very very hard but for three years I was stay-at-home mom with my son and um at about three years old and my husband started to be like all right so what are you gonna do you gotta go back to work and (laughs) and uh he started Oscar, my son, started preschool, and I started to take, again, freelance jobs. I was freelance styling, prop styling, freelance um, working in production, and just hustling, just doing whatever freelance jobs I could get while I could. And then all the while thinking I really, really had a lot of faith in that bag idea. I really wish that I could get back to that. So eventually I went back and started making the bags again. Was there a moment where you were like, oh, shit, this is working. Oh, my God, this is actually a business because, you know, we can start an eBay store or an Etsy shop. It's like, okay, cool, I do this on the side or this is like a thing that I would love to work out. Was there a moment you were like, this is working? There's been so many of those moments. And I think uh, I, I always, I never take anything for granted and I never... I hate to think about the moment, you know, because I feel like once you, I'm kind of, I guess, superstitious about it, that once you acknowledge it, it's going to go away or something. But um, there's been moments like when I hired my first employee and I hired Jocelyn as a part-time employee to work with me at my house. And very soon I needed her to work full-time because things were working. Um, In 2012, I opened my first store and it was very successful. And that was another moment of like, wow. This is cool. And we knew that we could open a store in New York. So the next year we opened a store in New York. So these are the moments that were like um, touchstone moments for me to realize things were working, you know, moving studios, getting larger headquarters, things like that. Signing leases. Yeah. With your name on it. Yeah. It's fun. It's also scary. Yeah. Maybe I want to gear up for the new year in some trendy and affordable gym wear. And for that, I recommend checking out Fabletics. Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand founded by Kate Hudson, and its mission is to empower women. And right now, I love the mid-rise power hold Capri. Love a Capri. Check them out and get them while they're in stock as designs change monthly. 
And right now, you can get two leggings for only $24, which is a $99 value when you sign up for a VIP. All you have to do is go to fabletics.com slash girlboss to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash girlboss to get two leggings for only $24. There's no commitment to purchase monthly and you have free shipping on all orders over $49. Make sure to enter your email address when you take the style quiz as you'll receive exclusive discounts and the inside scoop about new collections that haven't been released yet. Go to fabletics.com slash girlboss. Again, fabletics.com slash girlboss. Terms and conditions do apply. Was there a time where you thought that maybe because you didn't have the right background that this may not work or you didn't you felt like an imposter um no not really i i feel like with what i do running this company it's so varied i of course i have the creativity and the design and the aesthetic of the of the bags and the and everything we make is the number one priority and i for some reason i never felt that I wasn't qualified to do that. Um, and now I've been doing it so long that I definitely just feel that I am qualified to do it. Um, and then there's the other part of running the company and being a CEO. And oh, I feel like maybe I've felt a little bit more uncomfortable on that side of it uh, because I am a creative person at heart. But I think for some reason I've had enough confidence to know what I didn't know and I've been able to surround myself with people who I trust and who are very smart in things that I'm not gifted at. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't really have an imposter um, So many of us do. Syndrome. I think I still do, right? Yeah, um, a lot of people do. And, I, and I, I, this came up in conversation recently with somebody, and I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but it was about do do we all have this imposter syndrome and i was thinking i don't know that i have imposter syndrome but i i don't feel confident all the time but for those of us who don't have the background like you've you've bootstrapped it literally financially you've like become a designer you've cobbled everything together to also become a leader for those of us who don't have a production or fashion background and want to start a business in fashion what's the first thing we should do well, I'm assuming that you have a good idea for something. So you have an idea. I would say that the best thing to do is to start small. Um, I'm really comfortable with giving advice to people who are bootstrapping things and who are starting things organically. I'm not as confident giving advice to people who are thinking of starting big and really going to go out for funding for for the beginning of their company because that's just simply not how I started. So... For people who are starting out the way that I did, I think the best way is to start off with one or two really great products and focus just on that and get that out in the world and um, try to build a following for that. And so you you still you still own a hundred percent of the company. I don't. I own sixty percent of the company. Back in two thousand twelve, when I opened my first store in Silver Lake, I was I had been introduced to to some partners who were looking to expand their company, their portfolio of companies. And um, they turned out to be a a really great fit for me. And we've been partners ever since. I sold 40% of my company to them. How did you vet them as a partner? Like, what were you looking for? How have they helped you? Um, Luckily, they had been working with a friend of mine, Stephen Allen. They had been working with Stephen for a year prior to to him introducing them to me. So I knew that they were a good partner to him. So that's one way is a really great way is if always see if you know anyone or see if you can talk to anyone who those partners are working with or had worked with in the past. Um, Because nothing replaces personal experience for for a recommendation. Um, After that, I just knew that they were very strong business people. They had, it was uh, one guy and his team of people who worked, his executives who worked under him. And I knew that they had built a company to be a very large and successful company. And they were were business people. And I did not have that experience. And I knew that I wanted to have a successful company. And that at, at the base of it all, I'm a creative person. And I don't like Excel spreadsheets. And I don't like QuickBooks. And in all of the inventory, um 
adjustments and all of the things we need to do all the time. Those are things I'm not comfortable with. So um, I knew that they, or I was hoping that they would be good partners and they have been. Was there a time where you hit a wall where you were like, oh, whoa, I thought I could do this, but I can't figure out QuickBooks or, you know, because as an as an entrepreneur, you're de facto CEO. You're supposed to know how to do all the things that present themselves in the business for whatever, because you haven't delegated that yet to someone else. Was there a moment that you remember you were like, okay, I real this is not for me. I really need help here. No, I, I don't see. I think that I've always been able to ask for help. Um, so I have never had a problem with reaching out to people if I if I didn't know how to do something. I remember back in the day when I was talking to Tom, who would become my partner, and Tom was saying, you know, if we became partners, what what would you what would you do? What's the first thing you want to do for your company? Who do you want to hire? And I remember at the time being dumbstruck and being like, I have no idea. <laughs> we I just know that we're growing, that our sales are are great and that I need more people and I don't know the, the right positions because I've never run a company a fashion company before so I didn't know what a planner was and I didn't know that a, what a controller did and I didn't know that we would need a um, director of shipping warehouse and so I remember feeling like oh shit I'm gonna sound like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because I don't have a great answer for him right now but i just was honest and I said I actually don't know because I don't know the positions what I do know is I'd like health care for my employees and I knew that was one concrete thing that I couldn't name positions that I needed to hire I knew I just needed bodies to throw at the situation I didn't know how to organize the structure of a company but I did know that we were going to need health care and I needed help with that how many people did you have by the time you said we want health care we were probably about 12 people at the time so you make your products locally here in Los Angeles. Why is that important to you? For so many reasons. It's um, it's such a cool thing to be so close to production and to be able to drive to our factories each and every day and, and oversee um, quality control. I really like it because it's a very creative process each and every time I go to the factories. We're now, we now use about five factories in Los Angeles and... I don't get to the factories that often but anymore, but every time I do go, it's always a very fruitful um, experience for me because I get to see what they're capable of doing. And there's always things that are left lying around or conversations I get to have with these skilled artisans to be like, hey, did, would you ever think of turning it this way? And could you ever make the handle like this or a strap like this? And they're like, well, yeah, but we could also do it like this. And it's always such a fun interchange and it's very very creative. Um, but then the, the best thing about it is that, um, the jobs that we're creating in the community, it's been a really cool thing to see that, um, each of our factories has been able to hire more people because of the work we're giving them. And, uh, that was a really great realization to be like, this is so cool. We're creating jobs here in LA and not in Asia or Italy or Portugal, um, where all these places that have really skilled craftspeople and we could be using them to produce our bags, but instead we're producing people locally in our community. And then you start to realize all the repercussions that has. For someone who wants to, because manufacturing can be so opaque, right? There's no, as far as I know, or at least there wasn't when I was doing this like online directory of who can go make handbags for you in downtown Los Angeles. And by the time we started doing that at Nasty, I hired a production person, right? Like it wasn't, we were no longer a scrappy business when we started designing. How can someone go about finding someone to make a product for Well, them? that's what I did back in the day. I just went downtown and I was at all the fabric stores and I started asking at the fabric stores, do you know any sewers? Do you know any sewers? Every place I went, I would ask them. And eventually at some place, I was way out in the valley buying a piece of hardware that I needed for my bags, like D-rings or something like that. <laughs> I used to drive so much every day. Um, but... I was way out in the valley somewhere and I asked them for, again, my questions of like, do you know people who sew? And they said, we do know this company. And they gave me the name of um, a factory that became my first factory and we still use them to this day. And I think it's just, I was just out asking people all the time. 
That's how it is. Mm -hmm. That's bootstrapping. Curiosity is what takes every entrepreneur, I think, down a road that curiosity and humility, which it sounds like you've had a lot of because knowing what you don't know, but also not knowing what you don't know and admitting that is incredibly important. Growth. Growth mindset, both personally, professionally. I'm going to talk about growth professionally just a little bit. As we grow, we need to hire people because without people, we can't get the work done. That's where ZipRecruiter.com slash GirlBoss comes in. ZipRecruiter sends your job description to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They find candidates for you. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And as applications roll in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And as you know, to compete, hiring fast is important. And right now, Girlboss Radio listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Girlboss. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash Girlboss. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So a lot of women have a tendency to undercut our pricing or not really know how to price our goods or our services. How did you go about understanding what the right price point was for Claire V? Well, I knew the stores that I wanted it to be sold in and in what company, what other brands that I wanted to be sitting with. But um, pricing is a really tricky thing. Um, I remember very early on, I... It was before I had the Met Mohawk General Store. I took my very first laptop bag to Fred Siegel on Melrose. And they used to have a little luggage store in the back. And I took my laptop bag there one day. I worked up the courage to go in and just walked in with my bag and said, Hi, can I talk to the buyer? And he said, That's me. And I said, D- Would you look at my laptop bag? I'm starting a bag company and he said sure and he looked at it and he was like okay mm, interesting mm-hmm. he was like what do you think the price is going to be and I said $600 and he said $600 I mean he said that's really expensive and I said well yeah and that's that's what I need to charge and he said well if you look around my store you'll see a lot of other well-known brands and they're priced below $600. So why would anyone buy your bag for $600? Nobody knows who you are. And I thought, oh, you're right. And I like quickly (laughs) turned on my heels and left and felt um, crushed and just like a failure at that moment. Just thought, this is never going to work. What the fuck? What's my problem? Who do I think I am? Why would anyone buy this bag at this price point? And it was really illuminating and I thought I don't know how long I I kind of felt depressed for but at a certain point I realized I just have to make simpler designs I have to make things that are going to be priced at a I produce here in the U.S. Production is expensive. I want to use beautiful materials. So the the only way you can do those two things, produce in the U.S. and use beautiful materials, is is by creating something that is not very complicated. That's that's, you're going to lower your production costs so I always had this equation of how to make things with beautiful materials made locally in Los Angeles and have how do they have a little bit of a twist how do they have something that makes them interesting Um, and that was always my equation for making my line to be at this price point that was accessible and I don't mean accessible like Target or Urban Outfitters, like obviously we're not going to be priced at that point. We're not made in Asia. We're made here. So we have to make it a desirable product, well-made at a price point that was sensible for our consumer and my brand. And then you ended up at Mohawk General Store, which if you don't know, if you're listening, is a pretty cool store down the street that sells amazing brands, Dries Van Noten, I don't know. Rachel Comey, yeah, um, just the Ula, best. yeah, Acne, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, second time around, you went into Mohawk, mm-hmm. you landed it. What was that like? Yeah, it was way more collaborative. They were also not as intimidating to me. They were right down the street from my house at that point. They used to be on Mohawk. And I walked in and they seemed like my peers. So it was much less intimidating. And it was like, I showed them some clutches. I didn't have that same laptop bag that was $600. (laughs) I showed them some of my clutches. And I think it was a laptop clutch. And they said, this is really cute. I love it. It's cute. Great materials. This is great. Do you think you can make them other sizes so that we can sell them as clutches and not just laptop bags? And I was like, yes, I can. I'll be back tomorrow. And I went home or I went back to my factory and I said, we need to make these in three different sizes. And they said, cool. So we made them and uh, brought them back to Mohawk and they took them. And uh, that's how I started making clutches. So that was just a really I think from that from that first lesson at Fred Siegel, it was just a way to be much more realistic on prices and much more collaborative on the product and talking to people who had more knowledge than I did. And the value, you know, I've learned is the price that someone's willing to pay for what you have to sell. I learned, I mean, it's like pretty simple, but if it ends up on sale, that's the price it was actually worth in the first place, you know? (laughs) And um, learning through iteration and listening to your customers, in which case you have multiple customers, some of them are wholesale customers, to fit what it is that is actually commercial and not your own idea of, you know, what it it should be. And having that flexibility is incredibly important in business. Yeah. But I did have something in mind. Like, I didn't want to be a luxury brand. That's not where I wanted my price points to be. I wanted them to be at a point where my friends could buy it and that I was comfortable buying it. Um, So that was a very, it was a conscious price point decision what was it like to open your first store it was really cool actually I started with here in Silver Lake on Mitchell's Arena with um a friend of mine jewelry designer named Catherine Bentley she lived across the street from me and we both were talking about moving our businesses out of our homes at a certain point and um my husband was looking for spaces for us. He was helping me and he found this storefront on Mitchell Terena and he said, you guys could take this storefront. The rent was pretty reasonable. So we were going to just take the storefront as our office and we decided to make the first sliver of it with the windows facing the street to be our little tiny retail store. And Catherine and I were sitting in the back with our things. My having a bag line, you take up a lot more space than having a jewelry line. So we were taking up a lot of the room in the back. But the lesson was very quickly learned that our it was a great area for retail, and the store did really well right off the bat. So it was uh, I think Silver Lake at the time was kind of really hungry for more retail and cooler stores, and so. Um, our store, which was called Vivian Bentley, did really well immediately, and it only lasted for about a year because very soon after that, we knew we had a t- we need we needed more space. So, that when the corner space became available, I uh, took that lease and moved my company to the corner, and that was really intimidating because I was like, oh my god, I gotta build this out to be just Claire V and Claire we were Claire Vivia at the time, but what is Claire Vivia going to look like? What is the what is the whole story going to look like? And it was um, it was daunting, but it was a f- such a fun process. And at the time, I worked with a local architect named Barbara Bester, who's a well-known. She did this office. She did this office. She did your home, I think. Yeah, she's great. Um, I love that she is a local person and a friend. And she designed the first store. I hijacked my good friend Greta to leave her job that she had been working at downtown and to come run our store because I knew that if there was anyone who understood the vision and the aesthetic of the brand, it was going to be Greta. And thankfully, she did that. So she was very instrumental in building out the aesthetic of the first store. What would you recommend to someone who's about to open their first brick and mortar store? If you're thinking of opening a brick and mortar, to me, I always think go Go neighborhood, stay in your own neighborhood, go make your store a destination for people. Don't get bogged down with the overhead of a very high rent of some place, someplace like Melrose Place or something or, you know, Rodeo Drive or something, um, because the rents are 
astronomical and you really don't want to get underwater that way. If you want to open your own store to have to be able to vi- build out visually your brand, I think it's a great idea. But I ask, I love the idea of what we did. I think of having an office in the back so that you're kind of um, amortizing your business in the, in the whole space because you're using it as an office and a tiny retail spot up front to sell your products. I think that's always a really smart thing to do. Um, but what we've always done, we've never gone anywhere in all of our locations. We've never gone anywhere where uh, rent is astronomical and it's and it feels like it's uh, it's going to be a real stress to pay rent every month. That's not for me. I think it's one way that some people do it for marketing reasons. You might want to be on Melrose Place or Rodeo because it's a great marketing opportunity, but that's not the way that we've um, built out our brand. So you remain committed to giving back. Um, you have ongoing partnerships with Planned Parenthood, Every Town for Gun Safety, Every Mother Counts. How did you decide to make advocacy such a large part of your business? It was a few years ago when we were um, we were having a very good year, and I realized that we were going to again be have a nice profitable year. And I thought, well, this is great. This seems to be working. But the, what I want to do with this is that I want to I don't want to just be a fashion company. I want to be able to give back and be a part of the bigger picture of things that I care about. And um, I had been searching for what would be our first um, charity that we would align with. And I happened to meet Kelly Turlington Burns, who is Christy Turlington Burns' sister. And um, Kelly said, you should meet my sister because she has this organization called Every Mother Counts. And um I had heard of the organization, but I didn't really know what they did. So she set up a meeting with me and Christy, and um, it just resonated so clearly with what I, how what felt comfortable to me for um, helping out. And I'm a mom. What, what I really loved is that my sister is a nurse in labor and delivery and has been for 25 years and has three wonderful kids of her own but has made childbirth her priority in life and I always laugh or kind of joke with her about the fact that she has this important job of bringing life into the world and I make bags for a living (laughs) and to me there's such a funny um difference of what we do like in level of importance but um I want to make sure that what we do is not just frivolous and it's not just an aesthetic thing I do think it's important I do I do think fashion is important and it's not that I'm belittling that at all because I I love the world of fashion very much and I find that it can be very satisfying in many different ways and uh, then other things like every town for gun safety just they make they resonate with me personally like being a mom and just being a citizen of this world I uh, of the United States I the gun violence in this country is insane and if we can do something to try to rein that in in the smallest way possible i'm happy to use our voice and use our products to do something good and one of the things and i think this is becoming easier for businesses or more accepted but it used to be that if you stood for something you were alienating a certain group of people have you ever thought that that was the case for people who are pro-guns, right? Like losing those customers. Have you ever thought about um, what that means for your business and why have you decided to continue doing it regardless? I have, yes. I take it very seriously. I, t- I take it very seriously because of my employees and I because now I employ about um, 75 people, I think, and that's a lot of responsibility. And, it, and then that's not even counting all the people at the factories and all of our auxiliary businesses that we're keeping going. And, and all of that is very important to me. So I don't take lightly the idea of um, alienating customers and, and um, restricting our business in any way. But at the same time, I want to... I feel like the organizations that we... Um, lend our voice to and that we contribute back to it are our organizations that are just working for common good and i i i tend to think that they're not extremely alienating although someone could 
certainly beg to differ for sure. Um, but I take the stance of I'm I'm working for children and working for families. I'm working for women. And I don't know how someone can be against that. So while I don't take it lightly, we do consider it often. And uh, I definitely don't want to alienate people. But I also, at the end of the day, I want to just be true to myself. I mean, thankfully, we're still privately owned company and we're able to do what we think is right. So if you want to make this year one where you level up, explore new skills, deepen existing passions and get lost in creativity, then you need to check out Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially with our special offer here at Girlboss Radio. And when you compare Skillshare to pricey in-person classes and workshops, it's a steal. Annual subscriptions are less than $10 a month. Right now I'm taking a really cool class called Productivity Masterclass, Create a Custom System That Works, and Lord knows I need it. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of Girlboss Radio. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com boss to get two free months of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com boss. That's Skillshare.com boss. So you just hit your 10-year anniversary? We did. what We do what we I consider to be my 10-year anniversary because I consider that I kind of started in 2008, even though I just told you that I started before my son was born. But 2008 is a, de- is a year that I can kind of earmark as the beginning because that's when Mohawk General Store started to sell my bags. And that was a big deal to me versus just my own website. So when Mohawk started selling them, I was like, then soon Stephen Allen in New York started selling them and other stores around the world started selling them. So um, I say 2008, and so we've, we're now in our 11th year. And it's easy to not stop and take the time to really celebrate an accomplishment like that. 10 years is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Was there something that you did? Did you stop for a moment and celebrate having built an incredible business over 10 years? We didn't. We didn't really celebrate. We we. With with our art director, Lizzie, Lizzie and I put together a newspaper, it was really cute, of a bunch of different um, um, milestones in the company. And it was a, we did that one thing that we sent out with every package and we had them at our stores and we gave them out and sent them to editors and things. And so we created a, a beautiful document, but we never, I never really stopped to celebrate. Do you ever stop to celebrate? No. <laughs> more champagne. I know, more champagne. Yeah. Um, no, I, I try to appreciate the moment, but I don't stop much to celebrate. But I do have, like the summer, Um, I took a, was it the summer? It was the end of the summer towards the beginning of fall when I started to, when I took a trip with my um, design director, Greta, and we went to Paris for market and we were going to Milan for the leather show. But in between, we went to uh, the south of France to see an art exhibit and to stay at the hotel in La Colombe d'Or because I've Mm. always wanted to stay there and Mm -hmm. see the artwork. And that was a moment where I felt like that was a really special trip that I took. And I feel like it was, uh, I was, I was trying to be in the moment and really appreciate what I've been able to build for myself and realize that like this is really cool I'm able to take this trip with my design director and go to Paris and South of France and Milan and stop in London and so I try to live in the moment but I don't stop ever to just like celebrate it sounds like that was a moment that you were able to own your success and you also have a TEDx talk called own your success um so we all make mistakes, and I think we've probably all made a lot of mistakes. What did, what would you say your biggest career mistake has been so far, and what did you learn from it? I'm gonna sound like such a annoying person, but I don't, I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> um, I think it's because I can just make mistakes and move on very quickly. Um, I think it's just a given that we're gonna be making a lot of mistakes as we, as we. Um, chart new grounds as we're building a new business, especially if it's our first time doing it. So 
I mean, I'm sure I've made many. I mean, I continue to make mistakes mm-hmm. daily. You just learn and forget. Yeah. And we go on and we move on yeah. and we do what we need to do to move on. Um, I think employees, having employees has been a real learning experience because it's it's difficult to be um, as... I almost feel like you have to be very... Um, as benign as possible and as neutral as possible a personality in order to deal with all of the personalities that work with you and not offend anyone and not, you know, I feel like being a normal person in a workplace, you might do things that are not, don't make everyone extremely comfortable, but it's, it's It's your job to make unpopular decisions and be firm, but also human we used to call the CEO nasty all the velvet hammer. Um, so you have to be a velvet, velvet hammer. Yeah, exactly. What's been your biggest career victory to date? I think our stores are a victory. I think uh, the fact that we have now nine of our own stores and a great successful website. Um, the Silver Lake store, which is just down the street from where we're sitting right now, is um, that was our, my first store and... The fact that that still continues to be our like number top performing store um, is a quiet victory for me. It's a really beautiful space. I recommend if you're ever in Silver Lake in Los Angeles to stop by the Claire V store because it's a pretty, very pretty jewel box. Thank you. So what's next? You've done so much. What's next for you? I'm going to continue to not not stop and smell the roses and continue to plow forward and continue to try to grow the company we are focusing on growing the website in 2020 we're going to do some more pop-ups maybe international pop-ups we're looking at london i mean we're a pretty small company still so we we don't have the mindset of a, a venture funded company where we can get into a lot of categories at the same time um so we do everything very mindfully and feels like small steps i think that's what makes for a sustainable business right like you're sustainable in many ways but thinking long term is something that a lot of us don't do uh thinking about legacy and raising venture capital and having this founder story of just exploding and it's not always the way right Right. and i think it's very over glamorized yeah and controlling your business is incredibly important it's Ventures are very fast route to no longer controlling your business. Right. And I don't think people realize that. Um, it seems to be something that the culture at large values is co- companies that expand very quickly and become very like darlings very quickly. But a lot of that doesn't pan out. It's very hard to sustain. So as sometimes I'm frustrated by the slow movingness of our company, it's also it's also just the way life works and I have to just be comfortable with that. Well, you're building the right kind of scaffolding hopefully. to scale on. Yeah, hopefully. So one question I ask everybody that comes on Girl Boss Radio is about this concept of success, which can mean so many things. It could just mean straight up, I built an incredible business that I'm proud of. It could be like, I'm an awesome mom and make time for my kids. It could be, I bought myself a rose candle so I could smell the roses without stopping. <laughs> uh, what does success mean to you right now? Um, r- success right now, and it, yeah, I mean, it has a very, very, very varied, um, meaning to me and I'm sure I would, I could have 12 different answers and, um, ask me tomorrow and I'll see something else. But what first thing that comes to my mind right now is, um, financial independence and financial independence is very important to me and it, I think it's important to everyone, but, um, I remember a time in, I think when Oscar, my son, was very small and I had to, and my husband, who's a lovely human being, was supporting us. And I realized that I was asking him, I needed to go on a trip somewhere and I think it was involving my family and I had to be like, okay, I'm going to buy these plane tickets. And he was like, okay. But I hated the feeling of not having my own independence. And I remember right then and there, I was like, holy shit, I got to be financially independent. I got to, I can't, 
it's something that drove me absolutely crazy. That even though he's lovely and he's not cheap in any way, it was just like the ha- the fact that I had to converse about um, anything that Ask. I was going to be buying or yeah. anything like I was like, okay, this this isn't good. Not that it's not good. Sorry, that's my own judgment and I'm not judging other people. I just mean to say that for me, that was something that was going to drive me crazy. So success right now for me means uh, financial independence and uh, it's a it's a good feeling. It's a great feeling to be able to just, if you have to fly anywhere, to <laughs> see buy your anyone, own plane ticket. Buy your own plane tickets. And we have something called Girl Boss Moments, both on the Girl Boss community online and especially here on Girl Boss Radio. And a Girl Boss Moment is time in your most recent history where you were like, I'm really proud of that thing. I did something great. It could be small, it could be huge. It could be, I had a bubble bath or I bought a plant. What was your most recent girl boss moment? You know, it's not going to be a bubble bath. Um, gosh, I don't know. I just think it's this. I just think it's really cool. The all the employees that we have, and that when I look around and I see that all those people are there working for a company called Claire V, I'm still kind of astounded that it, that that's my name and that that's they're working for me and that we're working for something that I've built with them, and uh, that's. I think that's my girl boss moment. Where can we find you and Claire V? All, all over in the physical world. On Instagram at Claire Vivier. Um, my personal Instagram is Claire Vivier, and then we have a shop Claire V, which is the studio's Instagram. And uh, in the physical world, the nine stores are in San Francisco, three in Los Angeles, Newport Beach, Denver, Chicago, New York City, and Brooklyn. Well, Claire, thank you for coming on Girlboss Radio. Congratulations on everything. Sophia, thanks for having me. This has been fun. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, and you're quite an inspiration, so thanks. thanks. Thank you. That's our show for this week. A big thank you to Claire for literally walking down the street and coming to our studio here at the Girlboss headquarters. I learned a lot and I hope you do too. Thank you also for downloading and streaming and sharing Girlboss Radio every week. If you share us on Insta stories, we might just repost it. So tag me and Girlboss so we can see it. And as always, be sure to leave a rating review wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, that's it from me. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.